0: Bringing the outdoors to your ears, this is Ramalon by Drift, a student publication at the University of Texas. Welcome back to our show. I'm co-director Elizabeth Jimenez, and I'll be your host for this episode. Today's theme, man's best friend. We'll be talking about dogs, both big and small, and the relationships we mold with them. For a lot of us, dogs feel like family, and they're probably also our favorite family member. Before we get into family dynamics, we'll hear all kinds of stories. Some about the short kings of the dog world, dogs of honor aka the only witness you need at your wedding ceremony, and dogs that just want love, just like the rest of us. Before we get into our segments today, we'll hear from the team to see what it was like to cover these stories.
1: Hi, I'm Dacia Garcia.
2: Hi, I'm Elizabeth Jimenez. Hi, I'm Juliana Thompson. So what's the backstory behind
1: all of these stories?
2: Yeah, so I first came up with the idea when I just like randomly came across an article one day talking about the concept of wedding pet attending. And I saw that one of the sources they had used was someone from an Austin-based dog walking company. So that got me looking more into it and I realized that this is just a huge thing here in Austin. It's everywhere and it's not really happening a lot outside of the city as far as I could tell. So, um yeah, the more I looked into it, the more I realized that a lot of different like dog service companies here are offering wedding pet attending services and it was just kind of blowing my mind how this was not being talked about, I guess, considering it's everywhere. And then it was just the most heartwarming story to actually get to cover talking to these different people and talking to people who actually had their dog at the wedding. It was, as a dog lover myself, just so heartwarming and it made the storytelling part of it super fun and I really loved how it came together.
1: The lovable story came about um, because I was just looking at nonprofit organizations in Austin that have a similar mission to the Diamond Dachshund Rescue Place, and they basically do the same thing except it's for pit bulls, so I was like, oh, that's perfect because you know, they're Austin-based. They'd probably get back to me really quick. And it ended up being a really good story, especially because I grew up with pit bulls. My grandma had like three pit bulls at her house all the time. And from personal experience, they were never more aggressive than any other dogs we had. I thought it would be a good story to do because a lot of people do have that misconception that they're like very aggressive and like, you know, shouldn't be around children or families and everything. Do you want to talk a bit about how you found out about Fest?
0: Yeah, I think I found out about it because it's in San Antonio or like around San Antonio and Kset 12, which is a news station over there, they like had posted something about it and I was like, oh my God, that is the cutest thing I've ever heard. It's like, we have to cover it. Like if it's drift, like it's outdoors, you know, I thought it was just like so cute. And also like, I don't know if y'all have seen the TikTok videos of like dog races and stuff, but it's always so funny because they're like so confused. Like they just like look like they don't know what's going on. Like they don't know it's a race. It's just kind of like a silly little thing to them.
1: What do you learn about reporting on these stories?
0: Well, I guess I'll talk about Oktoberfest. I just thought it was really crazy how many people were there. Like, I don't know the exact number, but there was, like, a lot of people. Like, it was so, it was crazy. But I think it's just interesting to think about, like, how much, like, people are so, like, connected with their dog or, like, how much they'll put into caring for the dog, which is kind of just, like, bare minimum. But, like, it was just so cute. Like, there was a girl and her dog, and they had matching sweaters. Like, it was so cute. It was a white sweater with, like, little hearts all around. I don't know, like, you'll match sweaters with them or, like, you'll like pay all this money so that they're okay like I think that's so interesting to think about because like your pets are always like there for you I mean they can't really talk to you but like I feel like that's there's like that connection so it's just kind of sweet to see like all the people kind of doing this for their dog.
2: When I first kind of came about the whole concept, I assumed that this was like an up and coming trend and that Austin was just hopping on this and that people were having dogs at their weddings, you know, just kind of recently, but this has been a thing for over a decade. One of the people that I interviewed has been in the business. They're getting weddings booked constantly throughout the year and it just like speeds up to the point where they're having like three or four weddings where they're having to attend dogs within a single weekend. So... I just thought that was super crazy but I mean none of it was really that hard to believe when you also think about how much these dogs mean to people because every single person was saying the exact same thing that dogs are my family and I want to treat my dogs like they're my family and I want to have them at my wedding so when you think about it in those terms it like makes a ton of sense but yeah this has been a thing for a long time and it's just gonna get bigger from here so I think it's super cool that we're talking about it now
1: So for the lovable story, I guess I didn't realize how much corporations instead of people continue to spread this negative stereotype about pit bulls. Because when I was talking to Alexis, this woman that's on the board at Lovable, she told me that they're currently emailing with Amazon and also the U.S. Postal Service because if you ask an Amazon Alexa, hey Alexa, what sound does a pit bull make? It makes like an aggressive growling sound, but with any other dog breed, it doesn't do that. It just like makes like a normal dog sound. And then with the U.S. Postal Service, they released a survey, I guess describing how many times they've been attacked while they've been like delivering mail to people's houses who do have dogs, but they only put pictures of pit bulls when they uploaded the survey instead of all dogs, so when people click on it, they automatically think it's pit bulls that are attacking these, like, male carriers, but it's not specified what dog it is, so, like, that's also not helping the stereotype. I guess that's
0: interesting that you mentioned the whole part about, you know, corporations kind of perpetuating the stigma or whatever. Because I was thinking, I feel like a lot of times in movies too, like bad guys always have like a pit bull or like, I don't know, the pit bulls are always shown as aggressive. And I think something important Leilani said, if a pit bull is aggressive, it's not because it's like a pit bull, like no dog breed is like aggressive, like just outright. It's like, you know, the environment they're in. I was like, yeah, like that's so true. Like that's so important to, you know, kind of think about. First, we'll hear from Juliana Thompson about the love between two people, but more importantly, for the love of dog.
2: When Maya and Ed Bauer first got engaged, it was never a question of whether or not their dog Lulu would be included in their wedding ceremony. The only question was how.
3: I wasn't really sure about it. So I was going to have a friend who lives in Austin kind of take her to her house between the ceremony and the reception. But then, you know, it didn't seem fair to her as a guest. And so I found Carissa.
2: Carissa Hartman is a wedding pet attendant and founder of the dog service company Peace, Love & Pups. She makes it possible for people to include their pets on the big day, from escorting a dog down the aisle to assisting with styling and photos.
3: Carissa picked her up and played with her and got some energy out and then she met us at the venue and so she came into like my bridal suite and was in some pictures with me. Then she walked down the aisle with my niece. Her title was Personal Escort of the French Bulldog of Honor, and Lulu was the French Bulldog of Honor. Both of their names were listed as such on the program.
4: (laughs) 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 I had never heard of it. It was a whole new thing for me to learn about dog attendance at weddings.
2: Beyond just including their dogs in the ceremony, people have gone all out with things like dog-sized limo getaways and custom-made wedding attire. Lulu was no exception to this.
3: She had a velvet bow tie and it was white and matched my dress and she also had a flower crown collar. She was also in all the pictures for our courthouse wedding, which was held two days earlier. And we got special permission from the Travis County Courthouse to have her be our sole witness
4: at the courthouse.
2: Wedding pet attending has only grown in popularity over the years. Carissa first thought to add it to her services after being approached with the idea by a client.
5: I started out just as a dog walking company. So one of my dog walking clients, she worked in events and she called me one day and said, I'm working a wedding for this couple and they're discussing having their dog in their wedding. Is that something you would be interested in helping with or have you ever done that before? And the idea had never even crossed my mind. And I thought, wow, I would love to help with that.
2: Carissa says that despite her excitement, she felt nervous leading up to the first wedding she attended.
5: You don't want to mess up their wedding day. And I thought about all the things that could go wrong, but it went really smoothly and I enjoyed it so much and and knew that it was something that I'd like to do more of in the future. There can be a lot of stressful situations, so I'm always keeping an eye out on their body language. And if they're not comfortable, making sure that I take them aside, get them some space and and get them some time to decompress, because it it really can be overstimulating, especially for dogs that aren't super, super social and used to being around a lot of people.
2: The Pet Gal is another Austin-based company that offers dog wedding services, and they've been doing it for over a decade.
4: Generally people feel that their pets are part of their family and they want them to be involved because they love them. So this is just the perfect opportunity for them to have them in the wedding and and not worry about their family members missing out on
6: anything.
2: That's Wanda Lundberg, who has been attending weddings for the Pet Gal for years. She says the first wedding she worked out was one of the most memorable, where she danced a dog named Bob Dylan down the aisle.
4: I was a little nervous because I don't have a lot
6: of rhythm. I was afraid that I would not make it look right, but everybody loved it. He had a good
2: time. <laughs> Carissa believes that Austin is a hub for dog lovers, which may explain why this city is so ahead of the trend compared to other parts of the country.
5: When I came here, I was amazed at the amount of dogs Everywhere, everywhere I went, I mean indoors, outdoors, that's what made me even more wanting to pursue this. There's definitely clientele for it in this city.
2: Carissa believes the service's popularity will only continue to grow as more people become aware of the fact that wedding pet attending even exists.
5: I think that this is a business that will always succeed in Austin. People love their pets. and. People are having less kids, but getting more dogs. So I really see it growing even further and adding more
2: services. Carissa says that she wouldn't have it any other way. Her passion for animals is one that has continued to help her throughout every part of her life.
5: A day without dogs doesn't exist in my life, and I I wouldn't have it any other way. I really think there's something special and unique about the human-dog relationship. Our dogs love us in a way that humans can't, and I I think, in turn, we love them in the same way. So I love what I do. It makes every day really happy for me.
2: (laughs) And so the sentiment rings true. Dogs really are a man's best friend. For Ramble On, I'm Juliana Thompson.
0: Next, we'll hear about Doctoberfest, we need dog race that's arguably more fun to watch than football. It's a Saturday afternoon and the temperature sits in the high 40s. The stands are filled with people dressed in puffer jackets or the warmest sweaters they can find. They're trying their best to brave the cold, and it's a testament to their love and dedication to the race. This is not a crowd from your average sport. To be honest, it probably isn't technically a sport at all. What you're hearing is the sound of people cheering for their small, very low-to-the-ground furry friends. This is Doktoberfest. Doctoberfest is an annual weenie dog race in Elotes, just outside of San Antonio. It's hosted by Diamond and Rescue of Texas, and some people go all out for it. As we walk through the festival grounds, we see dogs dressed in their finest clothes. There's some with various color tutus ranging from orange to black. Another wears a knitted cowboy on his back, and a few dogs are dressed as tacos. But the energy to dress to impress isn't really the same for training the weenie dogs.
6: <laughs> if you call it training, it was at home, and basically she was just running... Um... We, would let her, we got a kennel, so we put her in the kennel and then just let her go. And then just to see how fast she was, that was it.
0: This is Ray Ochoa. He's a proud dog dad of Paloma Ruth. She's less than two years old. I'd say about one year, eight months. And it's their first time racing. Ochoa is actually missing some of his daughter's volleyball game for this right now. But there's probably more pressure on his daughter than on Paloma Ruth. So I don't
6: think she's going to win, but... Um, it's here to support that um, that cause.
0: Even with his race predictions, Ochoa says he's just happy to be there for his dog.
6: I just want to see how it's done. I've, since I've never experienced something like that, just excited to see the process. And then she's excited, I guess, because she meets so many other you know, dogs her height, <laughs> as opposed to big dogs.
0: This is how it is for a lot of people here. It's not really about winning or losing because, as you can imagine, it seems like the dogs don't really know what's going on. Kathleen McGowan, executive director of Diamond Dachshund Rescue, is no stranger to the silly mishaps of dog racing.
7: We'll have some that will stay in the cage when it's opened. Others will go to the back, run to the back.
0: And sometimes dogs call their own plays.
7: Some will come out. We had one a couple years ago that just gave me a heart attack because she started out, she went about three feet and then just stopped, laid out flat. Well, everyone in the audience says, oh my God, you know, the Dachshunds have the bad back. The back went out. Oh no, what are we going to do? You know? And so the, her mother is running over to her, but she gets up and takes off for the rest of the race. She's always like, ah! You know, but they're very independent thinkers.
0: Seeing a bunch of small dogs running around is just one of the many benefits of Doctoberfest. One of the main goals is to bring the dogs and community together, which is actually surprisingly big. McGowan says she hopes Doctoberfest is a place to connect and educate.
7: Them, you know, first of all, first they have a good time, you know, and get together. That's, that's initially what we want to have. Well, we want to have an opportunity to educate them, and we also want them to see that they're in a bigger community than they think they're in, you know, that there's so many things going on.
0: Primarily volunteer-operated, Diamond Docks and Rescue first started in 2003, and they've been growing ever since. Doctoberfest serves as a massive fundraiser for them. But it also gives them the opportunity to educate on rescuing dogs and the dangers of puppy mills. Puppy mills are places that breed dogs in inhumane conditions. They often don't get health checks, lack quality vet care, and the dogs lived in cramped, dirty kennels. Here's McGowan again.
7: puppy mill is, is basically just professional breeders. That have them and they breed them. They stick the, the two together and don't care if they're having a fight or nothing. They just want them to breed, 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 breed.
0: And because of breeding, the mother's health suffers.
7: Classic example is one that we had. Rainbow was one of our dogs for a long time, and we went into a, a breeder water situation with uh, with a county sheriff at one time. They asked us to help out because he knew it was all dachshunds. and when we went in there, this dog had spinal injury and they were still breeding her. The comment was, well, she can't resist, and uh, you know, she can't move, and she can't run away, so it's it's perfect breeder, and that, that's the horrible stuff that you, know, you would force animals you know, to, to participate in, this, in that kind of situation when they're in pain.
0: At the festival, there's areas where you can pet a few of their dogs available for fostering, sponsoring, or rescuing. But breeding isn't the only thing to learn about at the event. Small businesses selling winter hats, holiday decor, and dog treats fill the festival grounds. There's a few other businesses tabling around, one of them called Our Affordable Dog Training, a woman owned business established in 2017. Here's Lisa Anderson, a staff member at Affordable.
8: Our goal is to provide uh, training and transparency <laughs> uh, for transparent training and um, fear free. We don't use any sort of force um, and just to, you know, make dogs uh, enrich their lives and make them happier with their home life and make people happier with their dogs.
0: Like Diamond Dachshund Rescue, our affordable wants people to intentionally cultivate safe, loving environments for dachshunds. We,
8: we use strictly positive reinforcement. So we use treats, praise, toys, play, um, all of those things to reinforce a dog's behavior. Um... We don't want to punish the dog. We want them to enjoy training. We want them to not look at us as somebody who's going to be, you know, inflicting pain or punishment. We want them to look to us as somebody who's helping them make good decisions and someone they can rely
0: on and trust. But Anderson isn't only here to promote our affordable. She's got two strong contenders and the run for gold.
8: Uh, so this is my dog Morpheus. He's um, he'll be 15 in December. He's racing in the senior division today. Uh, he raced a few years ago before COVID and came in second. But um, I'm not sure that today we're gonna have that same luck because it was nice and warm that day and he's frozen today. And then this is Poncho. He's 11. He's Jessica the owner's dog, um, and he's also racing in the senior division today.
0: Morpheus and Poncho didn't end up winning, but Anderson says it's good for the dogs to get out there. I
8: think it's good to get them out. I think people have misconceptions about Um, small dogs a lot of times that they're yappy and that you know that's another thing you know we like to promote that we train small dogs because a lot of people don't train their small dogs because they think they're small just pick them up and move them and everything else but it's really good to train them as well so that you don't like reinforce those misconceptions of the small yappy ankle biter so when you come to events like this and you see all these dogs and they're really doing such a great job of you know behaving and yeah they're excited yeah there's some barking but any dog's
7: gonna do that
0: and just like other dogs, dachshunds are good friends to have by your side.
7: They are so, um, just just great companions, and they're just so loving to their family especially. This is, you know, so the barking is protective. They think they're, you know, going to take care of the whole house, and, and they do have their little brain syndrome, you know, that uh, they're bigger than they think they are. So, but they're, they're just... I call one of mine Dennis the Menace because he's everywhere, you know, he's into everything, he's looking at you like, what are you going to do? Nothing, okay, so (laughs) I'm going to continue. So I think it's that bond and that love that just spreads with that, with the dachshund breed for
0: sure. It's easy to feel McGowan's love for dachshunds when you speak with her, and she hopes that all dachshunds can feel that love someday too.
7: You know, and that's the whole goal, is to just keep saving as many that need to be saved.
0: For Ray Milan, I'm Elizabeth Jimenez. To close our episode, we hear from Dacia Garcia. She talks about the misconceptions surrounding pit bulls and how all dogs just want love. <laughs> <laughs>
6: we got our first dog and he was not little he was about he was a very tall dog he's a lab pity mix he's a white cream dog but you can definitely tell he has a blocky head my favorite thing was the moment where my husband went dang this dog is really sensitive because he heard the stereotypes he's like oh well if there's a stereotype some stuff has to be true right
1: that's Alexis Mulholland a board member at Lovable Lovable is an Austin based nonprofit organization that works towards changing the negative stigma surrounding pit bulls. They do this through education, advocacy, and rescuing pities. She says while her husband had these stereotypes in mind when they first got their pit bull, he soon realized that the stigma wasn't true.
6: And so we had this dog who was eager to please. The minute that Gabe learned that he didn't do anything right, Gabe was our dog, he would get very sad and he would come over for little scratches and like reassurance. So when he chewed a shoe and we raised our voice, he is so sensitive. So the moment that my husband realized that this dog is not just another dog, but a super sensitive dog and a pit bull, it was like a light bulb went off on his head for why I chose this dog as the dog we needed to foster.
1: Holland has been working for the nonprofit since last year, but she started fostering dogs with Lovable in 2020 during COVID.
6: I had recently lost my own dog, so I took a break, but my husband started going back to work and my office did not reopen. So I was home and I was like, we have a house, we have no breed restrictions, we should be helping this poor dog who's got a lot of hurdles to face. I really liked the idea of fostering with Lovable because on our website we'll tell you that we provide every single resource that you need. From crates and dog food and treats to if you want to try and work on training with your dog, we'll actually help and bring some trainers by.
1: Mahalan says she was first exposed to pit bulls in college when her friend introduced her and her roommate to fostering one. Their first foster pit bull was a lab mix, but the second one was an American Staffordshire terrier puppy.
6: She asked us if we wanted to foster pitties, and I was like, sure, I have no idea, why not? So then I learned about all of the discrimination and all of the hurdles that they have to go through.
1: While Mahalan was excited to host this new puppy, her apartment complex was not as thrilled about the decision
6: saw us open our door and little puppy came to greet us and maintenance reported it to the office and the office said, hey, we heard you have a pit bull. You can't have that here. And we were like, no, we just have a puppy. Um, So they actually wanted to see him. And then they were like, yeah, he's really cute. We really like him, but you can't have him here.
1: As sad as this is, Mahalan says this happens a lot more often than people think. Lovable contacts apartment complexes to see if pit bulls are allowed in their apartments. And 50% of the time, they say no. This isn't the only obstacle Pitbulls are facing. Maholland says Lovable is trying to erase the negative stereotypes that Amazon and the United States Postal Service continue to portray.
6: We're trying to fight a battle with Amazon. I don't know if you heard that if you asked, the Alexa, what sound does a pit bull make? It makes this growing noise, which is kind of ridiculous. So we're writing Amazon, asking them to take that off. We are writing the U.S. Postal Services. They released some statistics recently about the attacks on their postal carriers when they're just walking, and they have a picture of a pit bull saying that they have X amount of dog bites. Well, why are you showing a pit bull dog? You don't know that they're coming from pit bulls.
1: During World War I and II, pit bulls were seen as America's sweetheart because they were used as war dogs and starred in many commercials and TV shows. However, this changed in 1987 when Time Magazine issued a cover story titled The Pit Bull, A Friend and Killer. UT sophomore Leilani James owns a pit bull and says the stereotype of them being aggressive couldn't be farther from the truth. She says the way a dog acts has nothing to do with their breed, but more so with the environment they're in.
4: No dog breed is aggressive. It is completely the environment that they are raised in. And aggressive dogs, I feel, need the most love because they feel unsafe. And at that point, you just got to work with the dog because, I mean, dogs are, I mean, they're not a human life, but they're still life. And they have consciousness and they have feelings and memories. And dogs that are abused, um, you know, they just show more patterns of being aggressive. And that's purely because of how people treated them.
1: The advertising major got her American Pit Bull Terrier, Appa, right before leaving her hometown of Corpus Christi for college. She says she always knew she wanted a Pit Bull since the breed has always been a part of her family.
4: Mostly because we're a Pit Bull family and I've only ever had Pit Bulls. So because I had two other dogs that were Pit Bulls, I was just very in love with the breed.
1: James says while some people have been vocal about not wanting to be near Appa because he's a pit bull, she tries not to take their comments personally.
4: I honestly just respect um, what they say. Like if they feel anxious, then I just wanna make them feel comfortable. Um, I know Appa's not gonna do anything. He is a scared whiny baby. He will come to me shaking when he is scared. Like he's not the type to snap, bite anybody, even bite other dogs because sometimes the smaller dogs, they're the ones that'll bite because they, they're they scared and
1: they
7: feel threatened. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
1: While this negative thinking about pit bulls hasn't completely disappeared, Mulholland says that working at Lovable has made her see the direct change in how people see pit bulls in the Austin community.
6: The best thing is just being able to see the actual impact. Yesterday, I was at City Hall for the um, Austin Animal Center audit meeting and going in as a knowledgeable resource, saying what we're seeing in the shelter world and actually having them take that seriously and listen has been really something I did not expect. I didn't expect to, to just come into the rescue world and be able to be taken seriously. And it's wonderful that Lovable has this backing because we are a very knowledgeable group. We have a lot of resources.
1: One of these many resources is Pitbull Therapy Programs. Lovable is one of the first organizations in the country to offer this resource.
6: We did a bit of research. We were able to find some facilities that were interested in getting some therapy dogs. And we did not tell them at first that they were going to be Pit Bull type dogs because we didn't want them to immediately say no. So we worked
1: within our
6: org, made sure that we had quite a few dogs. Any dog who passes the CGC.
1: A CGC is a Canine Good Citizen. Being a CGC means that a dog has passed a test showing their good behavior both inside of their house and in an environment with strangers.
6: It's a crazy feeling to be that precedent. So now that other cities and other states, they know that it's possible. So it's, there are really no words to say how honored we are to be that one who can help others get to this
4: place.
1: While this great amount of resources help plenty of pities and their owners, Maholland says that it's a struggle for Lovable to answer every call for help they receive.
6: We are reached out to a lot, and so because of that, we are constantly being reached out to about just the shelter crisis. Shelters are overpopulated everywhere, I can't think of a single shelter that's in an okay shape right now. And unfortunately, because we are pretty small, we are foster based, we can't help every single dog we come across.
1: Because of this, Mahalan says it's extremely important to know how the average person can help pit bulls in smaller ways that can still make an impact.
6: If you see a pity, you can always just tell them hello. If they're people-friendly, just come on up and give them some love. Because other people around are going to go, oh, that child, that person, they're petting the big, scary dog. And in their mind, they're like, oh, okay, maybe that's not so scary. The pit bull is just another dog. There's nothing to be scared about. They're great, lovable creatures. Um, they have a lot of hurdles just from the public, but they're just another pupper who wants some scratches and wants
1: some belly rub. For Ramble On, I'm Lasya Garcia.
0: This has been Ramble On by Drift Magazine, a student run outdoors and environmental publication at the University of Texas. Title music by Alejandra Gavilanes. Other music from Blue Dot Sessions and Audio Written, edited, and produced by Elizabeth Jimenez, Jaucia Garcia, and Juliana Thompson. We hope you enjoyed listening to these stories, and we hope you find your next adventure soon. Give your dog some love for us next time you see them. Thanks for listening.